Mark 10, verse number 17. And who was gone forth into the way, there came one running, kneeled to him, and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. And Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, give to the poor. And thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come and take up a cross and up the cross and follow me. And he was sad at that saying and went away grieved for he had great possessions. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you for another time we have to be in your word this morning. Lord, I pray for our college and career at True North uh, this morning as they're being instructed by in your word as well. Lord, help them to make good decisions for you. And Lord, help us this morning in our church, in our congregation, in this assembly this morning to make good decisions for you too. Lord, help us to follow you. Help us, Lord, to know you as Lord and Savior. Lord, I pray you bless this message now in Jesus' name. Amen. The title of my message is A Tragic End. A tragic end. Uh, it's never a, a, a title that we like to hear. You, you wouldn't want to sit down and read a book that says a tragic end. That doesn't attract you because you know what happens. It's not good. You know, in the Word of God, uh, Jesus had many personal encounters, did He not? Lots of them. And we've, we've examined many of them in Mark. And, and most often, when people get in contact with Jesus, they're changed for the better. Amen? They're changed. Because that's what Jesus does. That's, that's, that's the business He's in. He's, he's life changer. He changes lives. I'm so thankful for that. There, the, this, this meeting, though, is not so glorious. We're, we're presented with a man who meets the Lord, but the meeting ends tragically for him. It's not the Lord's fault. It's His. This man's fault. And I'd like for us to look at this encounter today because there's people who attend church today who I think are in very similar condition as this young man. They want to be, they, 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 they want to be saved. They may even feel that they're saved, but they have no understanding of the genuine biblical salvation, what it's all about. They, they hear all kinds of things, but it, it, they don't understand. And Jesus tells us in no uncertain terms here what it is to be saved. And, uh, you know, we, people need to know clearly what the Bible says. It needs to be told. Uh, I, I'm tired of uh, hearing messages where I, I got to try to interpretate or put Jesus in the interpretation of what that pastor or that minister said. Hey, if you're ashamed to say Jesus saves, you shouldn't be in the pulpit. All right, Jesus saves, and people need to hear about it. And I'm not ashamed to say it, and I, I hope I never will be. Jesus saves. He changes lives. And people need to hear about it this morning. And this man comes to Jesus. We see the man and his desire. This particular uh, encounter is mentioned in Matthew 19 and in Luke 18. And, of course, here in our text. So mentioned in three of the four Gospels. 
And all the gospel writers add additional detail concerning this young man. I've got to look at some of these details just to help us get a better picture of who this man was. The person who came, all three writers tell us that he was a rich man. Uh, that he, he was, he was of means. Matthew tells us that he was young. And Luke tells us that he was a ruler. This probably means that he was a ruler in a local synagogue. When all the facts concerning this man are considered, it becomes clear that this, this young man, he had his life together. You've met some young people who don't have their life together, right? And you meet them, you talk to them, you're like, man, he needs to get that life together. I've said it. You probably said it. And probably, reality is, people have probably said it about us when we were young, too. All right? We need to get it together. But this young man, he had it together. He had youth. Isn't youth a wonderful thing? It's fantastic. The energy, the enthusiasm. I spent Friday after Friday evening, Friday afternoon, Friday evening, Saturday morning, up to after Saturday lunch with True North. I'll be honest, I'm glad I went home to my bed last night. They have a lot of energy. You know, they're up late playing games, board games, and I'm sitting in the chair drooling, snoring, you know, type of thing. And I'm not that old yet. You know, the reality is they have so much energy. And, and it's, it's nothing better than when you're young to give your life to Jesus Christ. When you're young. Remember now the Creator is in the days of thy youth. Remember now in the days of your youth, young people. Give your life to Him. If you're young and you're unsaved, let me challenge you to come to Jesus today. Don't put it off. Don't say, well, I'm 18. I'll wait till I'm 28. No, do it today. Don't put it off. I read this statement this week. I thought it was a pretty intense statement, but very true. Don't burn the candle for the devil and then blow the smoke of a wasted life in the face of God. Now, that's a powerful statement. But don't burn the candle for the devil and then blow the smoke of a wasted life in the face of God. Get right today. Get right today and serve Jesus Christ. Come to Him. He, he was young. He has wealth. This young man had plenty of the world's good. Uh, in verse number 22, we talked about how he was upset because he had great possessions. He didn't want to give it away. Now, there's nothing wrong with having money or materials. There's nothing wrong with that. And if you have them, the Lord's blessed you with it. Great. Praise the Lord for it. The money itself is an evil. It's when money has you, that's the problem. And when you control the money and the money's not controlling you, it's fine. But when it gets reversed, it's bad. For the love of money is the root of all evil. You know, so we got to watch out for it. So having wealth is Great, but just give honor and glory to God. Make sure you're you're the master, not the money, all right? He has morality and religion. This man is living a clean, moral life. Notice that Jesus did not rebuke him when he claims to have kept the commandments. He didn't rebuke him. Outwardly, this man's life was clean. It was He was pure. And that's a wonderful thing, especially in our day and age today. You know, there's not a whole lot of that going on today, sadly, in our world. You know, it's great. That's what he comes should be true of every person in the room. He has position. Luke says that he's a ruler. And uh, it means he's, he's a leader in the synagogue. Probably means that. We don't know for certain, but there's certainly indication of that. And so that means he had influence in a religious circle. And that's a good thing. He, he was religious. And we're going to look at it was more than religion he needed. But he was looking... And from an outward position, this man was the ideal young person. He, he is everything a mother would want her son to be and everything a mother would want her daughter to marry. I mean, he just seemed like a great guy and he had it all together. He, he, 
He's clean cut. He was religious. He, he, he had wealth. He was industrious. He had, it was a clean life. I mean, he was the envy of people in town. Probably in his village, other guys like, wow, he just got together. The problem he carried, though, in spite of all that was going for him, he had one really big skeleton in the closet. One really big one. In spite of all he found, had, he found that youth left him unsatisfied. It didn't satisfy. His money left him feeling unfulfilled. His morality, his clean living, his religious activity had not been able to satisfy that the deepest longing in the deepest part of his soul. Though it was maybe enjoyed the religious services, there was something missing. And though he climbed up the rungs of the social ladder, it failed to give him what he wanted most. And what he wanted most was peace with God. He wanted peace with God. So he comes with haste to Jesus and he falls down before the Lord and he cries out. Verse 17, we read that. He, he come, come forth the way and came running and kneeled to him. Now, maybe there's people in the room here the same shape this morning. Every outward appearance, you have it all together. Your, your life's pretty good. Maybe, maybe you don't have the same amount of wealth as this young man had, but you got a little money in the bank and maybe you're climbing that social ladder a little bit and maybe your name's well known, respected in community and maybe you're a good person. You're, you're living a good, clean life and maybe you're, you're coming to church and maybe you're a church member and maybe all these things are there, but your life's not complete because you haven't accepted Jesus. You haven't accepted Jesus. There's something still missing. And folks, it's Jesus who fills that missing part in our hearts. You can look the world around and people are chasing everything but Jesus to find something to fill that void and nothing fills the void except for Jesus. That's it. Simple as that. Everything looks good on the outside, but inside, oh, it's a mess. It's all over the place. It's chaos. Now, that describes you, or maybe a little bit of you. You need to keep listening. We all need to keep listening. Jesus has hope for you. I was thinking this week, uh, I heard a song something about, uh, actually this morning I was ironing and I was listening to a song about Jesus, the sweetest name I know. Hey, just a name brings soothing hope, doesn't it? And it's just a soothing word, a soothing name. And know that all was done from Jesus is hope. The man and his deception. We see some confusion here. Uh, but first of all, we, we see he comes to the right person, though. Uh, verse number 17, he comes to Jesus. And evidently, he heard of Jesus and knows if anyone can help him, Jesus can. And we'll see about that in a moment. He comes the right way. He comes with some urgency. Urgency. You know, have you ever uh, gone to like a family gathering and you weren't really too excited about it and your kids weren't really fired up about going to see grandma's going to pinch her, their cheeks off and uh, maybe grandpa's going to tell the same story he's told 17 other other times and all the other cousins aren't there. You're the only cousins that are there. You know, you kind of get the idea and you go into the house, you know you can't get out of this and you're just like, yay. That's never happened to me, okay? I'm just telling you right now. 
Now, this man doesn't come to Jesus in that kind of lackadaisical attitude. He comes running. Now, I've been going to family gatherings with all my favorite cousins there, and Grandma's got the big barbecue on, and everything's going to be great. And it's not one of these, oh, i got to go. Man, I'm running to the door. Grandma can squeeze my cheeks off. That's fine. I'm going to go see my cousins. I'm going to have a burger. It's going to be a great time. This man comes to Jesus the right way. He comes with urgency. Nothing in life is as urgent as your need of salvation. There is nothing more urgent. There is nothing more important. You know, life can end at any moment. Any moment. You know, even in our family's life, just recently we found out how sure and true that statement is. You know, my wife's cousin's wife passed away 43 years old. That's, I mean, 43. I'm 42 in a few months. I mean, life, you don't, there's no certainty. You don't know when it'll end. Man is like the vanity this day or as the shadows that pass away. So he comes urgently. He comes right away. And he comes kneeling. He shows and recognizes the fact that Jesus is worthy. And he certainly is. Jesus is worthy. When we come to Jesus, you'll come as a broken person. You can't come to Jesus standing up in your pride. You have to come with a broken heart, knowing that you need him. He's the one that changes things. He's holy. And there will be desire to come to Him, become low before Him. 1 Peter 5, 6, Humble yourself therefore under the mighty hand of God that He might exalt you in due time. He comes for the right purpose. This young man comes to Jesus pondering the issues of eternity. He had the most important things on his heart. That's important. That's that's deep thinking for sure. It shows maturity. It shows that this man was interested in what was important. And yet with all his power and his possessions and his privileges, he still didn't have the answer to life's greatest question. And he knows a lot of things, but he's forced to admit, I don't know the way to heaven. I don't know the way to heaven. No, we live today in the midst of the most intelligently advanced cultures in 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 history. You know, I, I just read recently that the millennial uh, generation will be the most educated edu- uh, generation ever. And that's, that's significant. But what are they hearing? What are they being taught? You know, we, we still, we're still not catching up to the most basic and most important question of all time is where do you go after this life? Oh, they hear about all kinds of other things and all other kinds of knowledge. But people don't know how to be saved. They don't understand who Jesus is. You know, man can split atoms. That's pretty amazing. The destructive power and how we use atomic energy today. Put men on the moon. Harness the power of the sun and, you know, uh, turbines to catch the titles going back and forth to generate power and, and, and things of that nature. But they do not, men do not know how to get to heaven. They don't know. Thankfully, Jesus has the answer. Amen. Jesus is the answer for how to get to heaven. And he still has the answer today. And the answer needs to be uh, proclaimed more now than ever before. So this morning, if you're here having thoughts of eternity heaven uh, and those things are bothering you, well, you're in a good spot. Yeah, because that's bothering you indicates the Lord's moving in your heart and you should consider that some more. And you should listen to the sermon some more because I got the answer for you. 
and answers Jesus. He comes at the right time when he when he came to Jesus. Jesus was passing by. There's no mistake made here. You know, uh, you know, he came looking for Jesus. Many people think uh, I'll I'll get Jesus on my own time. I've had I've met people I've witnessed to people you probably have too maybe encouraged family member uh, maybe a coworker you're like hey you need to come to church or you need to hear about this about Jesus say oh some other time some other time it's not convenient right now for me some other time I'll do that hey seek ye the Lord while he may be found don't put it off call upon him while he is near hey if if the if you're bothered by it, don't say, well, I'll wait three months when I'm not bothered by it. Because when you're in three months you're not bothered by it, you won't care about it. You know, seek ye the Lord while he's near. Well, this man gets several things right. He got the main thing wrong. Verse 17 says, Good master, what shall I do that I might inherit eternal life? Uh, and, and Matthew's account puts it, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? This man knows he has a lot of good things stacked up in his corner of his life. He seems to think that he can add some other good thing to it and he can, he can have salvation as a reward. That's, that's the way it's coming across. And there are two problems with that question. He thinks that salvation can be earned. Listen folks, you can't earn salvation. There's churches out there today who'll tell you that, but they're not being true to God's Word. He's looking for a do-oriented salvation. He wants to have it a hand in it. He wants to be involved. He wants to get salvation like he's gotten everything else in his life. And maybe he was naturally talented. Maybe he built his own business. And maybe he's very motivated. And he says, hey, I want to earn my salvation. Many people still believe that today, that it's based on do. I will do it. they got to do something to get it. Join the church, get baptized, teach a lesson, preach and give and become moral and stop sinning. And the list goes on and on and on. But the Bible tells us in no uncertain terms that salvation's never about do. Titus 3.5 says, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us by the washing, regeneration, and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Salvation through Jesus Christ is always about done. Not do. It's done. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, He said, it is almost done. No. He said, it's finished. It's finished. He did it all, and there's nothing that you and I can do to add to it or, or to get it on our own. Salvation was achieved by Jesus when He died on the cross. He rose again. It's received by us when we accept what He did by faith. All we do is accept. He's done it all. He's done it all. And we look to Him for that. Salvation has never been about what we can do. It's almost about what He has done. The Philippian jailer had to say in question for Paul and Silas in Acts 16.30, Sirs, what must I need I do to be saved? And Jesus answered him, or Paul answered him and told him, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. 
Nothing changed uh, here. Uh, nothing has changed from when Paul talked to that jailer. It's still the same way. We rest in done. Jesus has done the work. He's provided salvation. Forget about the do. It's not you doing. Take the word do and get a big ditch and throw it in there and cover it all up, okay? It's not about you doing. It's already done in Jesus Christ. It's already done in Jesus Christ. He thinks salvation is reward. He thinks you know he, he can do enough good things and God will give it to him. Salvation has never been and never will be a reward for faithful service. It's a free gift of God's grace. Amen? It's a free gift of God's grace. We could never reach a place where God would reward us with salvation because we are sinners. You, know, you, you read in God's Word what He sees us as before we get saved. We're filthy rags, we're like worms, we're disgusting. Man, there's nothing that we can do that God will say, you're such a good person. Here's salvation. No, we need to come to Jesus Christ and accept Him as our personal Lord and Savior. And I give to them eternal life and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. It's not because, it's because it's a gift of God, not by works. And once we're in, we're in, praise the Lord, eternally secure. Verse 18, And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There's none good but one. That is God. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Defraud not. Honor thy father and mother. Jesus hears what this man wants. And he responds in an unusual manner. And he confronts the man in two specific areas. He confronts him about regarding the person of the Savior. When this young man comes, he calls Jesus good. Jesus reminds this young man that there's none good but God. This was designed to make this young man consider how he viewed Jesus Christ. Jesus was trying to, uh, was Jesus just an elevated teacher to this young man? The words good master imply that. Or did this young man see Jesus or believe Jesus to be God in the flesh? Obviously, this young man believed that Jesus was just a good teacher. That's how he viewed him. And that's one of man's problems today. Before he or anyone, for that matter, can be saved, we must come to a place to correctly understand who Jesus Christ is. He's just not a good moral man. He's not a teacher to show us the way. No, he's far more than that. He's far more. He he is God in the flesh. He is the way. He is the way. He's not a uh, just a truth dispenser. He is the truth. He is the truth. He doesn't uh, just uh, point out the path of life. He is the path. He is life. We have to understand who He is. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by Me. Do you know Jesus? Who I just described? I'm not talking about the good moral man and that the world wants to promote or other religions want to talk about, that He's a good teacher or He's a prophet. No, I mean, do you know the Jesus I just spoke of, that He is the way, the truth, and life? Do you know Him? He's just... He's not another option on the scenic road to heaven. He's the only way. He's the only way. You have to trust Jesus. You have to have the right understanding who Jesus is. He confronts them regarding the problem of sin. 
when Jesus reminds this young man that only God is good, he's trying to get this moral young man to see that the young man is a sinner. He's a sinner. And when Jesus rattled off the, the list of commands, is not to imply that salvation comes by keeping them. I've seen some people take this portion of Scripture and do some really wild and wacky and bad things with it. This has nothing to do with that Jesus say, do this and you'll be saved. No, he's trying to show him that you're a sinner. You're a sinner. He's trying to get him to see that he's a sinner. He, he's done what's wrong. He wants to extract a response from this young man that he, uh, he needs to understand and show him that he needs salvation. He needs salvation. Apparently this young man believed that salvation was just something else he could add to his resume or his list of goods. But Jesus wants him to see that he's a sinner and as a sinner he has no ground upon which to stand before the face of God. We don't. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as a sinner, you can't stand before God. It's not possible. The Word of God tells us that. Jesus wants him to see that regardless of what he may possess materially, and though he has good morals, he is spiritually bankrupt. Spiritually bankrupt. When this man responds to Jesus, in verse number 20, And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. He declares that he's kept the law and he hasn't broken it. It's interesting, there's other portions of scriptures, if someone made this statement, Jesus confronts them. Jesus did not. He didn't disagree with them. Maybe it, that he was doing really well, but he's still a sinner. And Jesus is trying to get him to see the condition of his heart, and this young man never sees his heart the way he should. As far as he's concerned, this young man, he's spiritually arrived. That's his attitude. And you know, that's where a lot of people are today. They, they take an external, super, a superficial inventory of their lives and think, I'm alright. I'm alright. They say, hey, I, I don't beat my wife. I don't abuse my children. I don't round, round around those kind of people who do that. I don't drink. I don't do drugs. I, I provide for my family. I work hard. I'm a pretty good person. I, I mow my, late, my neighbor's uh, lawn. The old guy around the corner, I help him with shoveling. And, and after all, compared to some other people, I mean, I'm almost a saint. I think you probably have heard something just like that. I know I have. You know what's wrong with that? The problem with people and the relationship with God is that it's not about the outward. It's all about the inward. The heart. The problem of the heart is the heart. I mean, the problem of life is we need to have a heart for Jesus Christ. Man is a sinner. Romans 3.10, as is written, there's none righteous, no, not one. He can clean all up outside all he wants. He can make it look like a pearly gate. He can make a beautiful castle. But he's still a sinner. I haven't spent much time around livestock. But I have seen pigs. Okay? I remember one time my mom and dad, they bought a pig. and Bought him in the spring. And some farmer took care of him all year all summer and then come the fall we had lots of pork chops and i was like it was great it was a wonderful year you know and uh i remember going seeing that little pig you know running around in the muck and things you know i could have took that pig when i was a kid and washed that pig i could put perfume on him or not perfume some old spice or something on that pig all right 
put a put a nice hat on his head and make him look all clean. But as soon as I let him go, you know what he'd do? He'd run right back to the muck. And Old Spice and muck don't smell very good together. And why? Why would he run back after I spent all that time cleaning it up, making him smell good? Why would he run back to the, the mire? Because he's a pig. He's a pig. That's his nature. That's what he does. You know, that's just the way it is. A sinner may try to turn over a new leaf and get all good looking outward and may kind of clean up the life and be moral and hardworking, but he's still a sinner and he still needs a Savior. There's no way around it. That's exactly what the Word of God tells us. And this is what Jesus wants this young man to understand. He wants him to know. And verse number 21, Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. Come, take up the cross and follow me. Notice the love and compassion here with the Lord, with this young man. He, he was very compassionate. He still, he, the Lord was still showing lots of patience and love. Even though this young man was missing the point and not understanding, he's trying to bring them gently and to the, to him and he's proving love once again. He tells, Jesus tells him to do three things. Sell his possession and give to the poor. Now Jesus is not implying, and I've heard this from this portion of scripture that you sell your goods and you'll have salvation. Jesus is not implying that here. Okay. Because we know from God's word, the only way to know Jesus, the only way to go to heaven is to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He's not implying that salvation is earned by giving away your material possessions. He's merely, you know what he's doing? He's placing his finger, he's placing, placing his hand on the root of the man's problem. You know, you got a, you got a problem, you know, you tell people, oh, don't step on my toe, I hurt it, and then some character comes and steps on your hurting toe. You know? This is where the problem is. And the Lord's putting His finger right there. Right on that problem. He's putting it there. He loved His money more than He wanted God in His life. If you want Me, you can place nothing else ahead of Me. That's what Jesus is saying. And by the way, that's still the message of the Gospel today. That hasn't changed. You know, there's so many preach this easy, easy believism and telling a lot of sinners, you can come to Jesus and, and hang, hang on to everything you love in the world too. Listen, Jesus is telling me, if you're not willing to turn your back on everything for me, then you can't come to be saved. That's the idea of repentance, you know. One day I was going this way. I, I was living my life this way. And I was doing this. I was pursuing that. And Jesus, uh, the Holy Spirit convicted me of my sin in my own life. And I looked at Jesus. I turned away from this and I followed Him. You can't follow the world and follow Jesus at the same time. It has to be one or the other. And Jesus says, come to me. If anyone will come after me and let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. No, that sounds harsh, but it's true. It's still the message of the gospel. And nothing else will save you but Jesus, and that's salvation. Take up the cross. The cross was symbolic of death. To take up one's cross was to go to one's death, right? That's the way it was. If you want me, you have to die to yourself. You have to die to yourself. Your goals, your desires, your plans, everything you have, you must give them up if you want to come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. 
That's a message you don't hear much today. Sadly, many so-called preachers and pastors tell people to come to Jesus just as they are. and You don't have to change anything. Live like you want. Do whatever you want. And just pray a little prayer and everything will be all right. Listen, folks, you know what that is? You know what that's called? That's called a lie. That's what that's called. That's a lie. That's a lie. The day I got saved, I wasn't interested in keeping the things of the world because the things of the world never satisfied me. There was a void that they could not take care of. There was an emptiness they could never fill. I needed Jesus. Why do I want to keep the garbage and not be with Jesus? Because that's garbage. It doesn't fulfill. Oh, you might say, well, I'm having a good time. Yeah, you'll have a good time for a while. The Bible says it. But it's not going to get you to heaven. You're going to miss out on a relationship with Jesus Christ? That, that, that's the treachery of Satan. That's foolishness. So many modern churches say, come to Jesus on your terms and live as you please. Jesus says, you want to come to me, you have to die to yourself. And, 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 get, and if you will, uh, then you'll all live through you. And, hey, listen, you, you might say, Pastor, not paint the very pretty picture about salvation. Hey, my life is so much better since I know Jesus than it was before. Hey, my desires, my loves have changed and they're so much better. Oh, yes, I still make mistakes. I still commit errors. I still sin. Yes, yes, yes. But with Jesus, I have a way. The way. The truth. The life. Follow Jesus. That's the, that's the crux of the matter. This young man had been following power, prestige, positions, possessions. Jesus says, turn your back on all that and follow me. Then you'll get eternal life. That's what he tells him. Look unto me and be ye saved in all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. Isaiah 45:22. The demands of the gospel occur. You must forsake your sins, genuine repentance, and embrace Jesus Christ by faith. That's what the Bible says. That and that alone is salvation. You hear any other message different than that? That message is wrong. It's not of the Lord. And I'm not saying this because I said it. No, I say it because the Word of God says it. And you know what? Each and every day when I get up and I read my Bible each day, the Word of God is true. I never get up and doubt this. God's Word is true. It never fades away. I can get in it every day. I can find answers for life. I can find encouragement. I often find conviction. And I'm in God's Word. I'm convicted about things I need to be doing for Jesus. The Bible tells us. Some say, you know, some might say, well, you're making it sound so hard. People won't come. We have to make it easy for people to get saved. Uh, we cannot make it any easier than God's already made it, folks. We can't make it any easier. Uh, Romans 10.13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How much more easier can you make it than that? Anybody. It's for everybody. It's for everybody. We must tell the truth about the matter. If you think you can have Jesus in one hand and hold the world with the other, you're dead wrong. And that's where you, and that's where you're at today. You need to let go of the world and you need to get a hold of Jesus. That's what you need. Our duty to this generation is not to make the gospel easier to swallow. Our duty is to tell the truth. To tell the truth. Folks, there's no uh, there's no safe corners here. Jesus is eternal life. 
Jesus is salvation. We can't make it any easier than that. I'm, I mean, the reason why you don't feel good about it when you hear it is because the Holy Spirit is convicting your heart. He's telling you, you need to get saved. You need Jesus. You are not living right. And this is the reason why. Hey, get to Jesus. And that, that will be released. You'll find peace with Jesus. You will. The man is decision. Saddest part of this whole encounter, and he, when he, and he was sad at the saying. And he went away grieved, for he had great possessions. The saddest part was the decision. He made an earthly decision. He chose his possessions over Jesus. He loved his money more than he wanted to be saved. Jesus would, you know, will allow you to make the same choice. Jesus is a gentleman. I've heard people say it this way. He won't make you choose. He gives you a choice and it's up to you. What will you do with Jesus? It may not be money. Maybe it's pleasure. Maybe it's some sin. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your independence. I really don't know what it is. But at the end of the day, is it really worth it? Think about eternity. And you maybe you will live to be a hundred. Maybe that will happen for you. Then there's eternity. Is it really worth it? And if we're going to be honest, the answer is a hard no. It's not worth it. Nothing is worth more than your soul and where you'll spend eternity. Make an eternal decision. One day this man's youth faded and was gone. He had to step down or retire from his prestigious position at the synagogue. Finally, age and disease overtook him. Maybe even uh, his vast wealth uh, uh, was taken before. Maybe he had all his wealth, but even his wealth could not prolong his life. He died. This young man in this portion of Scripture died. And when he did, he found out that his religion and his moral lifestyle was not enough. When he died, he found out that he was lost forever because he had walked away from the only hope he ever had, and that was Jesus Christ. Friends, what will you do with Jesus in this life will determine what will happen in the other life, the afterlife, the eternal life. You're going to spend eternity somewhere. What you do with Jesus in this life determines... What's going to be your response? How are you going to, how are you going to process this? This is your choice. It's your choice. What you, will you do with Jesus? It's decision time. We don't like making decisions. Most people don't. They, they put it off. Because once you make a decision, then you're committed, right? People don't like commitment much these days. I don't want to make a decision. I'll put it off or I'll get someone else to make a decision. You know, like going to the restaurant. Where are we going to go? Oh, I don't know. Wherever you want to go. Then you end up there like, oh, I really don't like this place. Well, you could have chose. What's your problem? We like to put off those decisions to other people. This is a decision that only you can make. Only you can make this eternal decision. And, and if you're sitting in the pew this morning, and maybe you've got some lingering doubts, or maybe you're not quite sure, or maybe you know beyond a shadow of doubt, I'm not saved. Let me encourage you to get that settled today. 
Don't say, I'll take care of it next week. You don't know if you get the rest of the day. Don't put it off to next week. Because you know what? You know what I find happens? Next week turns into next month, and then next month turns into next year, and the next year turns into next decade, and then the next decade turns into 50 years, and then you don't care anymore. You lived your life. Who cares? I'm, I'm fine. No, today is the day of salvation. Today. Don't put it off. Come to Jesus today with every head bowed and every eye closed. Jesus told this young man that he was missing something. He was missing something and that he needed Jesus. He needed Him above anything else. Uh, Your youth, your beauty, your health, your education is not going to prepare you for eternity. Only Jesus can. Don't put it off. Don't put it off. And maybe you're saying you're here this morning and say, Pastor, I know Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. Well, that's wonderful. That's great. And I'm so thankful. I know many of you here, you've told me your personal testimony. Let's be faithful in telling other people what Jesus has done in our lives. Testifying what He's done. Dear Jesus, thank you for another time. Lord, I pray that you would encourage our hearts to make the greatest decision knowing you as our personal Lord and Savior. I pray these things in your holy and precious name. Amen.